Today is the last week of a series we called In God We Trust. And we started out asking the question, how did we get here? How did we get to a place where the statements you saw across the screen just now from recent headlines cause us to fear? We talked about that the first week. How did we get there? How did we get to that place? And then last week, you heard one of our teaching pastors, Rob Perry, talk about how do we get out? How do we get out of this life and place of fear? Did you know we can be at a place where our life never has to be characterized by fear? We can, we can actually get to a place where we never go back to that place again of living in fear. If we could just get this... This one idea straight, in God we trust. I mean, you've got that statement with you all the time if you have any money because it's on every coin. If you have a penny, you've got in God we trust in your pocket. So how do we get to a place where we believe that and live that? Anybody in here ever made a mistake? Who's made mistakes? All right, thank you for being honest. The rest of you meet me out back later (laughs) we've all made mistakes we've all goofed up I mean I've made some huge mistakes in my life I mean messed up big time and when we make those huge mistakes don't we think I don't ever want to do that again I mean you, you can beat your head against the wall so many times and eventually you're like this hurts I don't want to do that anymore if you found yourself in this mountain of debt and you finally pulled your way out and paid your bills and changed your spending habits until you're finally out of debt, the freedom that comes with that probably makes you look back at your life and say, I don't ever want to be there again. Or if you've dealt with some relationship issues and, and, and maybe your marriage was on the rocks and you worked it out and you stuck it out and, and things got better, you probably looked at each other and in one way or another said, we don't ever want to get to that place again. See, we don't want to get to a place where we don't trust in God because that's not the full life. That's not the life that we're meant to live. So how do we make sure we never get there again? The same way you make sure you never get in debt again. The same way you make sure your relationship never gets on the rocks again. You do some planning. You predetermine some outcomes and, or some actions that you're going to take, regardless of what's going on around you. You predetermine it. You think through it and think, when I get here, this is how I'm going to act. Ladies. I shouldn't just said ladies. That was an inside thought. People. <laughs> when you go shopping, okay? When you're at the mall. And, and you haven't thought about what you're going to purchase when you get there. And you haven't thought about how much money you're going to spend. What's going to happen? Well, there's going to, there, you're going to see the sales of a century, right? I mean, the greatest deals in the world are going to exist when you haven't thought about what you're going to spend before you ever get there. So predetermine it. If you've predetermined it, I'm only going to spend this much, then you're going to spend a lot less and you're going to make a lot less mistakes. It's like you, you don't go to the grocery store when you're hungry because, you know, you come out with a bunch of stuff you don't really need. Predetermine. If, if, if teenagers would predetermine their actions 
when they end up on a date. And you teenagers in here, you think about what you're going to do before you get there. And how you're going to say no. Or how you're going to just stand up for what's right. If you think about it before you get there and you predetermine this is the course of action when I find myself in this situation, it's going to be a lot easier to say no. And, and guys, when you're sitting in front of the computer late at night, nobody's around. And you know how to cover up your tracks and you're looking at that screen and you can look at anything you want. Nobody will ever know. If you haven't yet determined what you're going to do in that situation, it's going to be hard not to go and look at things that's only going to put a poison in your mind. So you've got to think through it before you ever get there. And it's the same thing when we're talking about our trust in God. Predetermine that no matter how bad things look, no matter how bad people might tell you things are, that you're going to trust in God. Just like Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Determine before you ever get to the place of fear that you're going to react by trusting. Last week... You heard the story of how the Israelites finally got to the place where they could tr- walk over into the promised land. You've heard the story of the Israelites these three weeks, how they were in, in bondage and then they went into the desert and they made some big mistakes. and They had to wander around for 40 years and they finally get to the place that God promised them generations before. And they're standing at this river, this last big obstacle to cross, and God makes a way and stops the water and they cross over into the promised land. And they finally got to the place God promised them they would be. But there's a little preface to that story. Because they have this new leader, his name's Joshua. Moses had died and Joshua was leading them into the promised land. But before Joshua ever led them across the river, before they ever went in and defeated all the people in that land that were their enemies, listen what God said to him in Joshua chapter 1. And verse 6, it's in the Old Testament. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles, up the aisles right now. If you don't have one, just raise your hand. The ushers will give you one. Those Bibles are yours to keep. We give those out every week at LifePoint because we believe the words in there are true. So please take one. You can read along or watch on the screen as I read. Here's what God said to their leader, Joshua. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to, their forefathers, swore to give their forefathers. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. He's telling Joshua this just before he's getting ready to lead several million people into the promised land where they're gonna, it's not just going to be handed to them. They've got to go out and defeat some of their enemies before they can really live in the place that God had prepared for them. And Joshua, this one young man, is set up as the leader. So what God's saying is, Get, here's some advice, Joshua, to get close to me before you get to the place of battle. Before you get to the place where things might get confusing and really challenging, you need to get close to me. And Joshua did, and he listened, 
and they defeated and defeated their enemies and they got to go into this land that God had promised them. What if Joshua had waited until he was in the middle of battle, in the middle of, of, of the enemies, in the middle of confusion, and then cried out to God, okay, God, I, I get it now. I'm supposed to be close to you. I'm supposed to have a relationship with you. What do you think would have happened? It probably wouldn't have been, have been the same outcome. It would have been much more difficult. Yes, God would have heard him. Yes, God would have delivered him. But it would have been a much more difficult battle if he had waited till he got in the middle of it and then cried out to God. But instead, Joshua went into battle with courage and with clarity and not waiting till he got there and then crying out to God. When knowing God is not a priority, hearing God is difficult. I've had a lot of people ask me, how do I hear God? How do I, how do I know what God's saying to me? Well, first, get to know God. Predetermine that how you're going to react and act in your relationship with God, or even that you're going to have a relationship with God. Because then when you get in the middle of a challenge, it's going to be a lot easier to understand what God is trying to say to you. Write this down. My willingness to know God now will prepare me for clarity and courage in the future. See, get to know God now because the day is coming because life just has ups and downs in it. Life just has challenges and victories. That's just the way life is. If it were not like that, it would be heaven. Life is, this stuff just happens. So God is wanting us to prepare now just like Joshua did. Because when you're in the middle of your difficulty, maybe the only thing you have left to hold on to would be your relationship with God. Nothing else. Every friend might desert you. Everything may fall apart, but if you've got that relationship with God, that will never, ever, ever be taken away from you. So cultivate that now. Start that process now, because it's not instant. It's not something you just add a little water or a quick prayer to, and all of a sudden, boom, I've got this relationship with God. That's not how it works. That's why I've seen person after person get in the middle of something and be frustrated with God because they can't hear him when God is thinking, look, If I heard you once in a while, maybe you could hear me once in a while. Because right in the middle of the problem is not the place to start that. You should have started it way back if you want to hear God clearly. And God's going to deliver you. God's going to extend grace to you. But it's going to be much easier if you start to cultivate that relationship with him now instead of when you get in the middle of something. I mean, I understand we live in a world, everything's quicker, right? Instant. I don't have to wait till I get my, to, to my computer to read my email. I don't have to, to wait. You know, if I go to a restaurant and there's three people in line, I'm like, that's too big a line, too big a line. So let's drive 20 minutes to another one, you know. And my wife's going, that's right, he does that. I mean, it's just not, we're not a culture of waiters. We like to get things now and fast. And then a lot of people transfer that into this relationship with God. And it doesn't work that way. A relationship with God is meant to be cultivated over time. Just like you don't bring your newborn home and cook up a roast, you don't do that. You've got you to gotta get them into it little by little over time if you want them to grow. For years, my wife has asked me to plant a tree. Just plant a tree in our front yard. Every house we've lived in, I think she's asked me that. I really haven't done it. <laughs> 
And, and here's what's going to, because here's why I don't, because I think, okay, how long, how long could we possibly live here, you know, so I'm just wondering, you know, people move around, change houses and all that, so if we plant that tree and move in five years, ten years, it's not going to be that big of a tree, so why waste my time, you know, it's, it's hard work, so I don't waste the money or time to do it, and here's what's going to happen, we're going to be old people sitting on the front porch of our house, and the sun's going to be beaming down on our face, and she's going to say, don't you wish you would have planted that tree 30 years ago when I asked? I'm not willing to wait on the tree to grow so I don't mess with it. And that's how a lot of people treat their relationship with God. Oh, it takes, it takes too much effort. I'll read my Bible and get, you know, get in prayer or whatever. Small That's just too hard. But the day is going to come when the sun is beaming down on your face and you're going to wish you had some shade. And because you didn't plant the tree years ago, you won't. And God will still deliver, and God will still get you out, and God will still extend his grace. But the journey could have been much easier if you would have done it the way it was meant to be done. You know, it's just easier to trust somebody you know, isn't it? I mean, I see people in this room, some of you I know, and some of you, if I ran into you in the grocery store, I wouldn't know who you were. And that's why I'm always nice to cashiers and people like that. The other night we're sitting in a movie and I said something sarcastic and my wife said, you don't know who's sitting behind us. And I was like, so if you were behind us, I didn't mean that. I'm sorry. You know, that was, that was a joke. I don't remember what we were saying, but I thought, yeah, that's right. That's right. It's easier to trust people you know. So those of you that I don't know, if I had a person come and stand right here that I do not know and you said, can I borrow your car? I would say, no, you can't borrow my car. I don't know you. I don't know if you have a record. I don't know if you know how to drive. Have you wrecked the last three cars you've borrowed? I don't know you. Give you a ride, help you out, but I'm not bar- you're not going to borrow my car. But then if somebody came up that I know, that I trust, that's demonstrated some, some level of responsibility, and they come up to me and they say, can I borrow your car? I'll say, here's the keys. Take it as long as you want because I have a relationship with them and I trust them. And that's the way some people are with God. They have a relationship and they trust him. So it's easy to say, God, here's my life. Here's my money. Here's my relationships. Here's my career. I trust you with all of it. And then people that don't know God and have not cultivated that relationship with him, they're standing going, my money to God? Uh Uh-uh. This is my money. My relationship. My career. I'm not giving it to God. It's hard to do that when you don't even know him. And by starting now and cultivating that relationship, it's going to take you to a place of trust that you've never experienced before. You'll learn to trust God with everything. So the Israelites cross the river into the promised land, and they go through battle after battle after battle. Some they mess up, some they get right. But then finally they get to the place where the land's all divided up, that their nation is all divided up, and, and, and they're ready to live in this land that God had given them. And their leader, Joshua, pulls them together in the book of Joshua, chapter 24. And he starts to tell the leaders, this is where we've been. If you read Joshua 24, he just, in a a few paragraphs, gives the whole story from bondage to freedom and how God guided them and protected them. And he's saying, just in case you've forgotten, just in case you don't remember, here's what God has done, and here's their response. Joshua 24, verse 16. Then the people answered, far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was a Lord 
Our God himself, who brought us and our fathers up out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our very eyes, he protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. What they're saying is, we recognize that we don't want to go back. We recognize that God brought us where we are, and we don't want to go back to the place of fear, to the place of bondage, And that's what we're talking about in this last message is how do we get to a place where we never go back to the place of fear? Verse 24 of that same chapter, they responded and said, we will serve and obey the Lord our God. They predetermined what they were going to do. This is the section of scripture that you've probably seen on a plaque where Joshua says, you can choose who you're going to serve, but for me and my house, We're going to serve the Lord. He predetermined we're going to serve God no matter what comes our way, no matter how good, no matter how bad. We're going to serve God because we don't ever want to go back to the place where we don't trust him and where we can't trust him. So what does all this mean today for us? It means that trusting God is the key to never going back to the place of fear. That's the key. Trusting him and you'll never go back to that place of fear. Now I want to give you just just some practical ways to do that. Some very practical ways that that are simple. Maybe not easy, but they're simple. Some simple ways to trust God. Some simple ways to get to know God. You know, when, when I come home from work and my wife looks at my face, she can tell if I'm in a good mood or a bad mood. Guys, can your wives do that? I mean, we, you know, guys, we think we can tell that with you. We can't, you know, we just think we can. But somehow, somehow she knows. Or we can be somewhere and everybody else thinks I'm happy. Everybody, everybody else thinks things are great. And in her mind, she's thinking, what's wrong? What's your deal? What's going on? Tell me. Because we've been married for 17 years. We know each other. We know how to communicate with each other. And you can know God on a level To where you can hear his voice and you can know his character and he knows you. And it's going to be much easier to trust if you start to put some of these really practical things in your life. The first one's really simple. One word, pray. Just pray. You may not know how to pray yet, but write this down. Without prayer, I'll always do less than I could do. I'll always be less than I could be. And I'll always gain less than I could gain. When I first started following Christ, I was still a little rough around the edges. People would say things like, I prayed for an hour. And the first thought in my mind was, you are a liar. I can't keep a thought for 35 seconds straight. You know, how in the world can you sit down and pray and communicate to God for an hour? I don't buy it. I don't believe it. But you know what? They were right. There's some methods. There's some things you can do. There's some, some things you can think about, whether you journal it or you're really good at keeping consistent thoughts in silence or whatever. You can really do that. And I remember the first time I journaled a prayer and I looked up and it had been an hour. And I was like, that guy wasn't lying. He was telling the truth. You really can pray to God for an hour. 
If you start doing that, you will start to know God and trust God in ways you never thought possible and not be one of those people that gets in the middle of a mess and then cries out, God, speak to me, and God's speaking, but you don't know what God sounds like because you haven't cultivated that relationship and he's providing open doors and options and things for you to do and you don't even know it because you're in the middle of this storm and in the middle of the storm you're trying to reach out for the first time or for the, you know after neglecting a relationship with God and you're trying to hear him. And yeah, he's going to eventually come to you and you're going to feel him and you're going to know, but it's going to be much easier to cultivate that relationship up front. If I learn to hear God's voice in the calm, I'll recognize him in the chaos. But if I wait till the chaos comes, it's going to be a lot harder. My trust in God will never be what it needs to be without prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 through 18 says, Be joyful always. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What's God's will for my life? To be joyful, to pray all the time, and be thankful. Another thing I can do besides pray, this is simple too. Read my Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we give them out every week. Just read it. A couple of things you know about the Bible. It can be very hard to understand sometimes. And there are things in the Bible that don't make sense. It's just like, what's that mean? Why is that there? Seems like it doesn't mean it over here, but it means it over there. Just keep reading God's word, and there's a power in that. Even if you read past your understanding and just keep reading and knowing and implementing it into your life, and it will make a difference. There's something really powerful about the words on these pages, about centuries of testimony of people who have walked with God and followed God and somehow God breathed his life into these words. It's not just words on a page. It's a divinely inspired book and message and story that will change your life. And by learning to get into this will help you trust God in new ways. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes the innermost thoughts and desires. A lot of people don't read this because they think they don't have the time, and I think we don't have the time not to. And it's just like with prayer, you might think, Oh gosh, I don't have an extra hour a day. Do you have an extra minute? A minute, this is so powerful, a minute a day will change your life. And then the last one is community with others. Because following Christ is not meant to be a solo thing. It's meant to be done in the context of other people. And we provide opportunities for that through, through our life groups, through service teams, through just meeting people in the lobby and getting to know them or going out and playing some sport or whatever. Just community with others is how the relationship with God is meant to be lived out. In Acts 2, verse 42, is a picture of how this first century church started to communicate and live among each other. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. There's three key words at the beginning of that verse. They devoted themselves. They didn't just sit They did sit and listen and heard teachers teach and the apostles teach, but they did something besides that. They devoted themselves to the teaching that they had received, which didn't mean they just sat and listened and went out and lived the rest of their lives. They sat and listened, and then they applied it themselves. 
And they grew because of it. Because they were applying what they had learned on their own. And what you do out there before you're ever here prepares you for what even happens in here. If we could get that one verse down, they devoted themselves. And as individuals, we begin to devote ourselves in the context of a community. You'll grow in ways you never thought possible. You can't get enough in an hour on Sunday. I can't say enough. I can't speak long enough. We can't sing enough songs or play enough cute videos to give you everything you need. And if you feel like I'm not getting what I need, it's because this is not designed to give you everything you need. This is designed as a little starting point for you to go and follow what God wants us to follow, to be devoted yourself. And there's other ways that, that you can take some steps in these areas Coming up this week, it's one of your points in your life, uh, five life points that are in your program, rocks, actually, next week. Uh, next A week from this Wednesday night, the dates are all in there. How to sign up is in there. Just go to our website. If you want to learn a little bit more about prayer, Bible study, living in community, what all that means, and, and come away with some tools and some resources to really do these simple things and implement these things into your life, you've got to sign up for this class called Rocks. Just go to our website, click on Rocks, and it'll guide you through that and tell you what it's all about. If you're a Christ follower, you you need to hear this. I heard somebody talk about this recently. If you have a piece of paper, draw draw three lines on on that piece of paper, or just at least mentally, think about three lines. Because when people come to know Christ, there, there are three lines that everybody crosses. The first line is, and some people never go beyond one, and, and, and I hope everybody gets to three, but the first line is, I believe in the gospel of Christ enough to benefit from it. You know, get some new friends. Uh, you know, I, I got this promise of heaven, a better life, a full life now, and I believe enough in the gospel and the good news of Christ to cross line number one and to benefit from it. And then some people go on beyond line number one, and you're going to have to determine where you are, to line number two, I believe in the gospel enough to give comfortably to it. Whether that's with my money or my time, just what, comfortably. I believe in it enough to give comfortably to it. Some people are there. But there's the third line that everybody has to cross. If we're ever going to find peace, if we're ever going to find trust, if we're ever going to live that full life that God promises us, And that's saying that I believe in the gospel enough to give my life for it. And you need to write those three lines down. You need to determine, where am I? Because only by crossing the third line will you be at a place where you can truly say, in God we trust. Because I believe so deeply in what he says and what he can do. that I would give my life for it. Everything in me, I would give it for the message and the good news that Christ came so I can live a full life, the life I was meant to live. May we never get back to a place where in God we trust is, is, is punctuated with a question mark. May that always be a statement in your life, not a question. As we've gone through this series, we've, every week we've read from an Old Testament prophet. His name is Habakkuk. And Habakkuk was a little different kind of prophet. Instead of being a prophet who spoke on God's behalf to the people, he more often spoke on the people's behalf to God. And one of the tribes of the same same nation of people, the Israelites, much later, 
They'd gotten into difficulty. They were having some economic problems. The crops were not producing. The herds were not producing. Things just were not going well. And Habakkuk goes before God on behalf of the people. And he says this. Read this out loud with me as we go through it. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vine, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. May you never go back to the place of fear and misplaced trust. I hope today you start to cultivate. And those of you that do that, you know what I'm talking about. But you start to cultivate that relationship with God and decide now that I'm going to live a life across line number three. So when I get in the middle of something that's difficult, I'm going to know God's voice. I'm going to hear it. I'm going to find comfort from it. And I'll never get to the place where life is just okay. Where life is just, well, whatever happens, happens. Where life is defined by fear because of external circumstances. But my life is defined by joy that comes from the inside, no matter what's going on around me. May we never get back to that place where we say, well, life's just okay. Let's pray. God, as we have for a few weeks, talked about what it means to trust you. Father, I pray that you would help us as we seek out tools to cultivate that relationship with you and live the life we were meant to live. Father, I pray for the person that's sitting here right now that knows they need to cross line number three and they feel your spirit talking to them and they know it's time. I pray you give them the courage just come up and talk to me or any of the other pastors here or just check their WhatsApp card that they need to talk and they could begin to cultivate that relationship with you that would help them stay in the life they were meant to live. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.